Let's go, girls. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up with Beck and Franklin is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they've always dreamed of. Why live in black and white when you can choose the brilliance of 3D and Technicolor? Each week, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin and their high-powered guests will be here to cheer you on, to share their challenges, their successes, and what they've learned along the way. It's all about women supporting women. The stories and practical tips on sex, beauty, money, and so much more are designed to help you reconnect to the powerful woman you are. Fabulous knows no limits. Now it's time for you to expand your boundaries. Here are Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck and we've got a jam-packed show today. We're going to be visiting with Lance Secretan. Now I encourage you to look him up. You can go to secretan.com, S-E-C-R-E-T, like secret, uh, com, And you just got to look at him because I, I challenge you to look at his face and not smile. He has got the most wonderful smile. It just radiates off the page. But beyond his beautiful teeth, uh, he actually is one of the most insightful and provocative leadership teachers of our time. Now, he's got two books out, uh, A Love Story, which is a memoir and some poetry that he's written for his wife, and we're going to dedicate today's show to her. I hope that she's up in heaven having tea with my mom right now, listening to the show, so we're going to hope that. And he's also got another book called The Spark, The Flame, and The Torch, so you're going to want to check these out because we're going to talk today from his great leadership uh, perspective, Linda and I, about um, feeling our fears, how do we handle our fears, what advice does he have us to handle both internal and external fears, and what does that even mean? But before we do, I'm so excited to give you a message from our sponsor today, and I want to thank HelloFresh for sponsoring our show today. They are a meal delivery service, and I think they're really super. I do get them delivered to my house because they do make meal time a lot easier for me, and it's one less decision I have to make as a single mom. They have a class box, a veggie box, a family box, and customers can order three, four, or five different meals per week for between two and four people. And I know that's a lot of math, but what it translates to you is that it's really flexible. So if you're a couple, or in my case, we're a triple, I'm a mom with two kids, and sometimes of the year I'm a quadruple taking care of my 80-year-old dad in my house, I need that flexibility. I need that help. The meal kits come to your house, and it's really cool. You get this big box in the mail, and it just shows up at your door. It's like magic. And you open it up, and the kids and I totally dig this because everything you need is in this box. It's fun. It's easy, convenient. You can get these plastic cards that come out. They're like instruction cards, and they have a picture and instructions. And my 10-year-old and my 13-year-old can actually make the meal. They can they can put it together. It's that like easy-peasy with following instructions. And if you're a novice cook or seasoned home cook, you can really get a great meal on the table in 30 minutes and not have to drive to the grocery store, not have to spend that time shopping for those of you that are tight on time like I am. The other thing that's super cool about them is that all the ingredients come with you. So you don't have a jar of honey or jar of mayonnaise when you only need a teaspoon. And where space is at a premium in New York and Los Angeles, we don't want 
jars of stuff hanging around. And, you know, from an ecological standpoint, I don't want to buy a jar of stuff, take a spoonful like of tahini to use for one meal and then throw the jar out. I just I really don't like that food waste. So um, these are some really cool points for HelloFresh. And then. They have two full-time registered dietitians on staff, and I guess you guys need to give it a try because I was kind of suspect about these food delivery services. I couldn't imagine how food could come in a box, but you know, I pick up food at my co-op, and that comes in a box, and so give it a try. And if you want $35 off your first week of deliveries, just go to HelloFresh and enter the promo code Fresh. Fast. That's the word fresh and fast. $35 off your first week of deliveries. HelloFresh.com. Thank you so much for sponsoring our show today and bringing Lance Sacratan, Sandra Beck, and Linda Franklin to the airways. So without further ado, I'm going to bring on Lance and Linda. We're going to have so much fun with Lance. He's a repeat guest and he's so much fun and he's so knowledgeable. Why don't you ask your first question about fear? Well, you know, I fear is something that we all that we all go through, um, and fear doesn't like to feel itself. So we, in our minds, will do anything in an attempt to manipulate life not to feel that fear. And you know, how did how did we get there? I mean, you know, it's life. Life unfolds, and and. All of a sudden, we, you know, we've got these, these these fears inside of us, and we, you know, we don't even remember where they originate from. So, um, you know, I, I guess I, the first question I want to ask is to Lance is how how do you identify your fear, and how do you handle it, and and ultimately get rid of it so it doesn't hinder your your, your activities in life? What a great question. Well, let's start here. We are born with love, but we learn fear. If you think about it, babies don't fear. They learn it pretty quickly, but when they're new to this world, they don't have any fear in them. So fear is not a natural thing for us. We learn it, and it's our environment that effectively communicates with us, we receive those signals, and then we modify our behavior, and we modify it in a way that's what we might now call fear. And fear and stress are very closely related. So you know that when we see something, the fear is not real. What we've done is we have seen something or felt something or experienced something and then translated that inside our own brains, and now we're afraid. So some people are afraid of things, other people aren't afraid of them at all. That's simply because their thoughts have processed them differently. Are the fears real? No. They're not? No, the thoughts are real, but we can control our thoughts. Let's say you've got, I have a friend, just to give you an example, a friend who was camping in the Negev desert in Israel. And she was in a tent, and a desert lion puts its head inside her tent. Now, think about that situation for a minute. Do you think that (laughs) she was afraid? Would most people be afraid? Here's what she did. She picked up her canvas and her paints, and she painted a picture of the mountain lion. 
It's just how, how you see it. How did she do that? Wow. So she wasn't afraid that this, this mountain lion could come into the tent and eat her. <laughs> this, is, this is a woman who we should all emulate, who over many years has learned not to let external thoughts translate into fear. They just are. You know how it is when you're in the traffic jam and you suddenly everybody in front puts their brakes on and you, you say, oh my, I'm not sure I've got enough distance here to actually make this. But you do, right. and you could have done it without the fear. I well, have a you know, I, I was just going to say I love that woman because if you could... You could, if you could look eye to eye with a mountain lion coming into your tent and say, wow, I'm going to take this opportunity to paint him, this is a woman I, 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 I want to meet because she's, she's really, she's figured it out. That's right. And why can't we all? I don't think that's yes. totally unusual. It's certainly not the way most people think, but it is the way, for example, most Tibetan monks probably think, and a lot of Zen uh, meditators and so on. So there's lots of people in the world who would approach it like that. Okay, and there's also a lot of people who would get eaten by a mountain lion. I'm just going to play the devil's advocate because, Lance, I actually shot a mountain lion with a hose in my backyard so he wouldn't eat my dogs, and I didn't, I, I couldn't take a picture or paint or anything. But I have a question about that fear thing because I, I thought about, like, if I were down with my dogs and face-to-face -face with the mountain lion, you know, what would I do? Isn't fear supposed to keep us safe or move us toward action as well? So when this lady picked up her her paints and her canvas and started painting him, that's great because she lived to tell about it. Is it just an overriding belief that that what's going to happen is what's going to happen, and so you shouldn't be afraid? Like, you know, if she had been eaten by the mountain lion and it ended badly, everybody would be going, wow, she wasn't very zen. She just stood there and got eaten. Well, I don't know what the statistics are on this, but mountain lions typically are not dangerous. They uh, will run away from a human being. They're curious, but they typically feed on small things, not something as big as a mountain lion. So, you know, I think it is about how you interpret things. I mean, let's be more sort of practical in the day to day in our relationships, for instance. Are we afraid that somebody will leave us? or let us down, or not be trustworthy, or whatever. I mean, those are fears, right? Are they real? Are the fears are real because the thought's real. But is the situation real? Probably not. We're making stuff up. And why do we do that? Well, perhaps it's be the other way of asking that question is, why don't we stop doing that? I think Fair we're enough. doing... We do that because we're so conditioned socially to do that. I mean, think about going back to the baby for a minute. Everything the baby goes through day by day is a signal about, do I trust this or not? Is this safe or isn't it? And they're learning by the minute, right? Okay. And that process accumulates through our lives. But that, you can't expect a baby to be a Zen meditator, but you can expect an adult to say, wait a minute, that's silly behavior. I don't need to do that. I can let go of that. 
See, I love that. And I'm going to take us to commercial break, and we're going to come back talking more with Lance Secretan. Check him out at secretan.com. He's got a lot of neat stuff on there. He's got some good books that I think you would enjoy. When we come back from the break, we're going to experiment, uh, we're going to explore, Linda and I, with Lance, more about this concept of fear and where do fears come from and unreasonable fears and how does fear affect our lives and how do we acquire them? And more importantly, as Lance said, how do we get rid of them? How do we dismiss them? How do we live in peace? How do we become Zen like this lady who was painting a mountain lion? Because right, in all rationality, I looked it up. Human encounters with mountain lions are rare and the risk of attack is infinitely small. So why would we run around like chickens with our heads cut off? We'll be back after the break with Lance Secretan, Linda Franklin for Powered Up Talk Radio. This is Sandra Beck. We'll be back after the break. We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. To lose weight, we know that each day we need to burn more calories than we take in through eating. And exercise burns more calories. According to Discovery Health, a 150-pound person will burn about 60 calories while taking a one-hour nap. One hour of sitting and watching television burns about the same. But if that 150-pound person takes a one-hour brisk walk, then say goodbye to more than 250 calories. Cardio exercise like running, biking, swimming, and brisk walking are the best modes of exercise to burn the highest amount of calories and will get the endorphins flowing in your body. Those feel-good neurotransmitters boost your mood naturally. So use exercise to burn calories, lose weight, and to feel good. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. It's words you never heard. Got a lead foot? According to state troopers, here's what not to do when you get pulled over. Don't be a lachrymis and start crying right away. It doesn't help. But if you're under 20, crying won't be held against you. Don't ask for a break. Don't yell or start any argy-bargy. And one trooper said, if they're going to flirt with me to get out of a ticket, it would probably insult my intelligence. But unfortunately, I don't get hit on all that often. So flirting or being a gill flirt won't work. Did you know that 15% of all drivers get 76% of all traffic tickets? And the odds of winning if you challenge a traffic ticket in court are 1 in 3. So what should you do when you get pulled over for speeding? Be courteous to the officer and most of all, be honest. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, 
ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and we're here with Lance Secretan, and we're talking about fear. And before we went to the break, we were talking about reasonable versus unreasonable fears. And how funny is it that a Google fact took my unreasonable fear of mountain lions down to a reasonable non-fear of mountain lions, and how that one little fact could change my mind and, as a result, change my fear. And one of the things that I've wanted to talk to Lance about is the fear of death or the fear when someone's dying. Now, when my mom was sick with breast cancer and dying a couple years ago, and I, I dedicate this episode to Lance's wife, Trisha, and my mom, Gloria. I think they're in heaven having tea and going, go Lance and Sandra and Linda, you guys are doing great. Um, I felt this really strange feeling every day Lance, that she, especially when she was in hospice, especially during the final, you know, kind of like the final stretch, the home stretch of her life. And it was these unbelievable fears coming up. I couldn't identify them. I couldn't put my finger on them. I just felt them. My mom was at peace knowing that she, for her belief system, whatever yours are, is okay with me, everybody. But for my mom, she was going to go to heaven and she was going to see her mother and her father and her brothers and sisters. And she was very excited to see her grandmother. So she was very much at peace and she shared that with me i however wasn't <laughs> i had so much boiling inside of me and i spent talking to her every day so it wasn't lance it wasn't like i didn't share time with her it wasn't like i didn't let go but all this fear came up and i couldn't identify it and i couldn't articulate it um and i wanted to know if you felt the same thing well i did in a lot of ways and i think that part of this is the focus on ourselves. Um, in my case, you know, I was afraid of being alone. I was afraid of not having the joy and the experiences that Trisha and I had enjoyed. We were married for 30 years. We had a spectacular relationship. Uh, and there's a hole in my soul now. And I wrote a book that celebrated that amazing journey that we had, partly to share it with people because so, many, so few people think they can't have a great relationship, and I believe everybody can, but I think there's some work that needs to be done to make that happen. But when she was dying, you know, the plan was to put her into hospice. And one day before she died, I was because I was afraid of being the nurse. I mean, I, you can imagine, I was going crazy with uh, pain management and uh, injections and heaven knows what all. And so the day before... I suddenly realized I need to let go of that because the greatest service I can be right now is to be with my wife as she transfers to the other domain. It's the thing that she would want. It's also the thing that I want. I don't want somebody else doing that. I want to do it. And I did. And it was painful, as you could imagine, but wonderful at the same time. You know, it's so beautiful when we let go of fear and see what's around us as an opportunity. You know, and the, like, it, it's amazing, Lance, when you, you brought that back to me, I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, what if I make a mistake? And I'm like, well, she's dying anyway, so what yeah. mistake could I really make? I mean, it's your thoughts are so crazy. They're so unreasonable when all you need to do is be there. And I'm so glad you shared that because anybody listening who's going through that, like, 
I know when it's time for my dad, I think I'll be, I'll be much better equipped to handle it since I've been through it. But to know that you can just be at peace by being there and you don't have to get it right, I think is, is really a blessing. I think fear comes from ignorance a lot of the time too. I think part of it is that we make stuff up because we don't know what the future's like and therefore the mystery of it is frightening. Whereas if we take a more sanguine approach and look at it this way and say, things will happen and I will take care of them. And I will adapt myself to fit and to move around whatever happens and it will be cool. But the other thing we need to, I think, remember here is that fear is very damaging to us physiologically. It makes us sick. Therefore, even if you want to take a personal view and say, I want to be well, one of the first steps is to stop being frightened about everything. Right. You know, I, you know it's very, life is not under our control, and if you're always trying to control it, you know, you really can't live it. You can't enjoy it. And, you know, who are we to say that the way our lives are unfolding isn't the right way? You know, the only thing that, that, that interferes with that is the fear that's saying, no, 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 we, we don't have to put up with this, or we, we, we don't have to have this, and we have to be afraid of that. And, you know, life is unfolding. We're all here for a reason. We all have our journeys, and everything that's happening to us is really pretty perfect because we probably designed it. So, yes. so you know, I you know, I'm I'm really doing my best to to think like that all the time now because other it, it's it's just makes life so much more peaceful and so much more enjoyable. So now you're teaching, you know, you were teaching your executives or who, how to be great leaders. Um, how I mean, a lot of them are are not as as spiritual or maybe. Especially, I don't know. You you have to tell me. Um, how does the fear play into them? And then I would like to talk to you about what's going on in this crazy world now with 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 Donald Trump and all of all of the people around him because he's making people afraid. Do you think he's afraid? Uh, I know that he's he's emanating fear out to to the to the masses that are saying you know what what's this guy doing and how's that going to impact me? But do you think deep in his soul he's afraid of what's going to happen to him? Well, I think that's true of a lot of leaders because you probably know the the research on this, but a lot of leaders have the same characteristics as a psychopath. Now, I don't mean to overstate this, but it's quite high. It's like 20% or so. So the, the characteristics of a, of a psychopath are fear, paranoia and fear, and two of the major, and of course, ego, narcissism and so on. Think about it this way. When we're afraid, we're thinking about me. Whenever people ask me about fear, I always say, start thinking about the other person because then the fear will go away. How can you be frightened if you're thinking, how do I serve this other person? How do I love this other person? How do I inspire this other person? If you're doing that, how can you be frightened? And it's so funny that you say that, Lance, because we got a newsletter today from a, a guest, uh, Lori Johnson, who's on our show quite regularly, and she shared something. It said, you know, and she talks about Trump quite often, and, and she, they said, you know, instead of... of beating him up all the time, like the media and, and, and well, so many of the people are, you know, just realize that he's probably a very young soul, and instead of beating him up, you know, pray for him. 
I mean, (laughs) because he needs all the help he can get. Yeah, we're very judgmental (laughs) about this, and I I don't mean to be getting into politics here, because I'm sure that's not what you want to do. No, it was just about the fear and what, you know, because this is a very special situation that we find ourselves in now. But let's take... Let's take, for example, the taxes, which is the next big thing that he's going to tackle. So uh-huh. taxes, if a logical solution to a tax situation would be to abolish all of them, all taxes. Can you imagine how many thousands, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, accountants, lawyers and so on, are working on tax returns and tax fiddling and loopholes and so on, forming foreign corporations and all the rest of it, and replace that with a sales tax. So that if you want to spend $20 million on a yacht, you're going to have to pay a couple of million dollars with a tax. And if you can't afford food or rent or health care, there's no tax on that anyway. So if you're very poor, you're not going to pay any taxes. Isn't that a fair system? Now, there's a debate, I'm sure, whether that would work or not. But here's the question. If we were to give Trump some support, he might have the courage to go for something like that and really change taxes. But my sense is we're pulling on him so hard and beating up on him so much, he's probably going to do something that's half-baked, give the rich a whole bunch more tax breaks, and end up with something that's probably more complicated and more difficult than we already have. And the thing we're looking for is simplicity. If we supported him and gave him, you know, got behind him in a way, I think he could do some good things. I think he's doing some other crazy things, which we could try and stop. But let's deal with the good things and, and make them positive. Well, Lance and Linda, I have a caller that called in um, and gave me a question to ask who are listening to the show. And I'm going to read the question and then we're going to go to commercial break. So you guys have time to give input to this listener. Um, She lives in New Mexico. She has an ex-husband that is very, very difficult. And there's domestic violence and it was handled by the courts. Her fear are that her husband might turn her kids against her. She's got fears of her ex-husband hurting her and she's got fears of her ex-husband causing trouble so she loses her job and she's the primary breadwinner for her children so these to me are three very real fears and they may or may not be based in reality but she's looking to us for information on to handle and how to structure those fears so that she can live in a place of peace and a place of moving forward rather than being held back when there are either real or imagined threats. Now, we're visiting today with Lance Secretan, and the book that we were talking about um, that he wrote for his wife, if you'd like to hear it, was this a love story, and it's a memoir, and it's got poetry in it. I think you'll really enjoy it. And Lance, The Spark, The Flame, and The Torch, what is that one about? That's about leadership. It's really, I've written 15 books about leadership, and that's kind of the capstone book that I've, over the last 35 years, I've written a lot of books. And the idea here is that leadership is a broken system everywhere. We can get into that later if you like. But what's better than leadership is inspiration. What we're looking for everywhere in our society right now are people who inspire us. That's the mark of a great leader. 
Well, we're going to put those words to the test, Lance. When we come back from the break, we're going to inspire our listener from New Mexico. We're going to lead her into a way of thinking that might be more peaceful for us. When we go to commercial break, we will be back with Lance Secretan. You can check him out at secretan.com. Check out his books. Books are available on Amazon, Lance? Yes, they are. They're both available on on Amazon. Yes, we'll be they are. back. Great, great. We will be back after the break. Linda Franklin, Sandra Beckland, Secretan, Powered Up Talk Radio. Come back and find out how we help our caller from New Mexico. We've got lots more Powered Up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. This is for all you girls about 42. The League of Women Voters reminds you that on Election Day, we are all equal. Please join your friends and neighbors by registering to vote and going to the polls November 8th. Visit www.vote411.org to find out who will be on your ballot and how the voting process works in your community. This election is about our future, and we all need to weigh in. It's marching down the I managed to run out of coffee again this morning. I didn't even have enough to make one cup. Boy, was that a miscabobble or big mistake. Because I make serious coffee, so strong it wakes up the neighbors. Now, I don't have a problem with caffeine. I have a problem without caffeine. I get wadgety and brickety. Did you know apples are more efficient than coffee for keeping people awake in the morning? Unfortunately, I didn't have any apples either. Acorns were used as a coffee substitute during the American Civil War. Without my hot cup of coffee in the morning, I'm feeling pretty squirrely myself. What do you call that piece of cardboard that wraps around your coffee cup to keep from burning your hand? A zarf. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's some more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. This is for all you girls. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and we are speaking with leadership expert Lance Secretan. Now, one of the things that's cool about being a leadership expert, and I'm in no way the leader expert that Lance is, but I have taught leadership, you know, out and about for the past 20 years, is one of the things that leaders are great at is the use of fear, the management of their own fear, and transmuting fear energy into other things. And we had a caller from New Mexico that called in, and she has an ex-husband. She's fearful that he will turn her kids against her. She's fearful that he may hurt her, and she's fearful that he may do things that cause her to lose her job and she can no longer afford her house or her uh, taking care of her children. Now, Lance, these are probably fears that go back from the beginning of time. What best practice advice do you have for her? Because she is the leader.
leader of her household. She is the leader of her family. Uh, well, what we let's start with some sort of a theoretical background. We've got to remember that there is a continuum here, and at one end there is fear, and at the other end is love. And we can live anywhere we like on that continuum. We can live down at the bottom end with fear, or we can move it up to the top end with love. So that's a choice, and we choose where we want to land. Now, let's take the three issues she's raising, and I'm going to tackle them in different order. Let's talk about um, losing the job. The solution to that, to me, is to be so amazing that it wouldn't matter what he said. Her boss would simply say, you're mine, I'm keeping you, you're wonderful, there's no way I could afford to lose you, you're just a spectacular employee, he can go jump in the lake. <laughs> I love that. So it's not about him, not about being frightened of him, it's about doing the opposite, it's about loving your work, loving what you do, loving your boss, being really clear with them, I need this job, I'll work my butt off to keep this job, I want you to know I'll do the best job that any employee would ever do working for you, and what is it you'd like me to do next, it'll be spectacular. You keep that up, it won't matter what he does, it's irrelevant. I love that, it's so empowering. Now, the second thing, uh, let's talk about the kids. I think, and, and I've lived through this myself, so I, I speak from a little experience here. I think that, again, love your kids so hard, so well, so much, that they would never believe anything that they heard that said you were a bad mom. So, uh. In other words, don't defend yourself against what he says. It doesn't matter what he says. Let go of that. Instead, focus on the kids. The kids need you. They love you. You love them. Show it to them all the time and live it with them all the time so that they would never think anything bad of you because you model the opposite for them. Excellent. I love that. It takes the focus off you and your own ego and fear and loss and turns it into something really proactive. Which is always the way with fear. Fear is, as I've said earlier today, it's about focusing on you. If you stop doing that for a minute and focus on the other person, and every time that fear comes in, and it will, and I don't mean to suggest for a minute what I'm saying is easy. It's not easy. It's going to be really hard. We live a certain way and have lived that way all our lives, and suddenly we're going to change. That's not easy. But it's a place where we need to begin. And finally, you know, the hurt part, that's more difficult, I think, um, of course, anybody in the street these days could hurt you, couldn't they? I mean, we see people doing crazy things every day. So we could live our lives walking down the street saying, oh, there's a guy going to pull out a gun or a terrorist is going to show up or a building's going to blow up or whatever. So we can't live like that. We go crazy. So let go of the idea that he is going to hurt you physically. And I would suggest, and I don't know if this is a practical suggestion, Make sure that your environment is safe. If that means putting a burglar alarm in, for example, making sure there's lights that go on and off when you're in the house, uh, securing the doors. You know, I don't want to suggest you live in a prison or, or a fortress or anything, but there's some common sense things you can do which make it safer for you. And just make sure your environment is safe. 
I love that. And I love the way you say it. It just like brings the anxiety down. Like I felt my own anxiety go up, you know, listening to her and reading the, you know, writing these questions down. I think we all can, can that, especially when you're under stress, um, like a divorce can do, or after the death of a spouse, or if somebody is seriously ill in your family, a lot of these things are a lot harder to manage. Don't you think so, Linda? Oh yeah. And, and if, you know, and if you change the way you, this late, this this lady that 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 called in, if she changes her behavior to her children, and she comes becomes the most loving, loving a mom, and again the and the best uh, employee that the that her boss ever had, and she is a little less afraid of her husband and puts in the 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 um the safety uh things that that Lance suggested if her her behavior is going to change and if her behavior changes because her fear is no longer there then any interaction she has with her husband is going to change too he's going to notice the change words screaming yelling they don't mean anything they just go in like one ear and out the other. But if she changes her whole way of being, um, how, how she reacts or doesn't react, and, and how she just can let things go, it's going to definitely make a change in his behavior, too, I believe. Right. I agree with you. I think that fear, when we're frightened, we don't think clearly. Because all we can focus on is me and the fear. But if we let go of that, then we're able to think a little more rationally and a little more logically. So here's another thought. Instead of being frightened of this man, and I don't know if he's violent or physical or sick or whatever, but, and I'm not a therapist or a psychologist, so I'm sort of going off the top of my head here, but they're going to have to work together for a long time, at least until the kids go out on their own. Given that that's the situation, wouldn't it be a good idea to try and do that in a civil, respectful, loving way? That would mean, can we sit down and talk together and map out a, a way that we are going to be together in the future and make a bond together about that? Because that's in the best interest of each of us and the kids. Linda? Sandra, I think, I think, no, well, I, I don't have that situation, so, I, you know, but I think you could comment on that. Well, I do, and I, you know, it's, it's, some of this stuff, you know, and Lance, you said it the, the, the great way, you know, you said things like, I don't know if this person is, you know, is, is sick or able, and there are, you know, there are people in our society, and some of us have been married to them, that aren't able to move beyond, you know, they're still harping on stuff that happened years ago, and I also think there are segments of the population that enjoy the fight, they really enjoy fighting, they enjoy intimidating, it may makes them feel good. And it's a fine line. In a perfect world, we would sit down and discuss these things. But there is a reason we got divorced. And some of the reasons that we get divorced are because there's no ability to sit down rationally. But I think uh, Linda, one of the things that you told me when I was going through my own similar experience was to watch it go by like a movie. The less emotionally 
entrenched we can get in there. And this goes along with the feelings of fear and anxiety. If we can keep our emotions down, um, and this is part of, Lance, I'm sure part of your leadership training, um, you know, you respond, you don't react. And that's a skill like anything else. And I'd love for you to talk about a little bit about responding versus reacting. You know, there are some very simple solutions to each of these issues, Mm -hmm. but they're not easy. And they may be very simple and quite uh, simple to define and identify and so on, but implementing them is not easy. For instance, you know, it's easy to say, let's tell the truth, but telling the truth is not as easy as that sounds. So, you know, in my opinion, what happens here very often is that we spend too much time asserting you did this you did that you're a bad person you hurt me and so on these are all assertions right and they there's no way another person can feel good when they hear these things so you just deepen the problem yes a lot of people get divorced but not really because they don't like each other a lot of people do still like each other it's just that they have never invested properly in respecting each other loving each other honoring each other, accepting the differences in each other, and so on. So one of the simple solutions to situations like this is to ask questions instead of making assertions, the opposite of what we tend to do. You know, when somebody beats us up, we we tell them what we think of that. Well, it'd be a good idea if we didn't do that and say something like, you know, this is how that makes me feel. Is that what you intended? Or what do you mean by that exactly? Now, pretty soon what happens if you ask enough questions, the aggressor runs out of steam. There's nothing more to say. And the temperature goes down. We start to cool the conversation because it's when it's hot that it's not good. And if we cool the conversation down, we can start returning to a place that's fairly practical and logical. What would be best for the kids right now? What would be best for you? I mean, that's a question that I wonder if people who battle with each other, spouses who battle with each other, ever ask. You know, the the man beats me up, I'm the wife, and the man beats me up for some, I don't mean physically, but uh, psychologically and so on. And the response that we can give, instead of retaliating, is to ask, what, what are we trying to achieve here? What is it that we both want to accomplish? What would be a better life for both of us? And how could we accomplish that together? How can we raise the bar in this conversation? There's just a million questions that we could ask which don't result or shouldn't result in retaliation. Now, there's a proviso here. If you're dealing with a psychopath, then everything's off the table. I mean, there are no rules for situations like that, and then you need counseling and help and so on. But that's that's only like 2 or 3% of the population. So let's just say we're dealing with 97 or 98% of the population Asking questions is always a good idea. I agree. I mean, I think it's it's something that diffuses the situation and it allows people to be heard because I live in a very male-dominated household with two boys and a grand. My dad lives with us. And when the kids or my dad feel heard, a lot of that aggression goes down. And we really want to lower the aggression and that helps us lower our emotions and lower our fears. We're talking today with Lance Secretan. If you want to find out more about him, go to secretan.com.
We will be back after the break, and we're going to talk a little bit more about fear. And I really want to talk about how leaders, because I see this all the time in the military, how do they transmute fear into action and take fear and put it into positive change or positive results and positive construction, because it can be done. Talking with Lance Secretan on leadership, we'll be back after the break. We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Did you know that besides home and work, Americans spend more time at the mall than anywhere else? There are 50,000 shopping malls in the United States alone. The Mall of America, located between Minneapolis and St. Paul, is the largest in the world with more than 500 stores. What's a word for a person who is a compulsive shopper? An oniomaniac. Studies have shown that women will buy more if they hear their heels clicking on the floor. So designers often use hard flooring in hallways. Of course, the stores want customers to spend all their coopity coop. That's another word for money. Well, I gotta run. There's only one more shopping day until tomorrow. My husband said if I don't quit shopping so much, he would leave me. Lord, I'm gonna miss that man. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck. I'm here with Linda Franklin and Lance Secretan, and we're talking about fear today. And one of the things that always puzzled me, Lance, was when I'd, I'd watch these great military leaders, and, you know, my dad was Navy, and I would watch him do it. I've watched them over the years take fear and transmute it into something else, transmute it into action, into um, a greater understanding, into so many things. How do you do that? Is that just a skill or a muscle that you practice? Well, here's here's the answer, I think, to that. We confuse the words motivation and inspiration. We say, I want to be motivated and inspired, like they're the same thing. But let me explain motivation. Motivation is fear-based, 
and it is generally directed at changing someone's behavior or whatever. So you think about advertising, buy this product or you'll be ugly. Think about religion, join my religion or you go to hell. Think about academia, pass this exam or I'll fail you. Think about work, do what I say or I'll, I'll, pun I'll fire you. Uh, uh, parenting, do what I say or I'll punish you. I mean, it goes on and on. Politics, vote for me or the bad guys will get you. So we have used the system of motivation, the fear-based system, across our whole system of society. In every little aspect you can think of, it's about motivating people to buy something, join something, sell something, or whatever. Now let's talk about inspiration. Inspiration is not looking to change the behavior of anyone. We're looking to make sure that within that person, they feel larger and better and stronger as a result of their interaction with us. So I define the difference. Motivation is lighting a fire under someone, and inspiration is lighting a fire within someone. And a great leader inspires. But what we teach is motivation. So if you go to the MBA program, it's all about how do we manipulate customers? How do we get them to spend money, more money? than they are spending now, and so on. It's all about fear. So if you don't buy this product, you'll be seen as dopey or late or behind the, the game or other people will look better than you and so on. It's all about fear and motivation. So the shift we're really looking to make here is towards inspiration. Now, I don't mean that motivation is bad. You know, if we're in a room together and the room catches fire, I'll motivate you to get out of there. But it has a time and a place. And we know a lot about motivation, just about all our leadership theory, human resource policies, most of our marketing and so on is all fear-based. But we don't know anything about inspiration. And what the great learning now is for leaders is to become inspiring. If you're inspiring with people, people will do anything. And inspiration, by the way, is the core to everything. We go to movies that inspire us. We fall in love with people that inspire us. We smell flowers that inspire us. We go for walks in nature that inspires us. We read poetry that inspires us. We eat foods that inspire us. In other words, whatever inspires us, which means whatever we love, because love is the power behind inspiration, is what we're drawn to. And whenever that inspiration falters, we walk away. So we go to work for companies that inspire us, and when they don't inspire us anymore, we leave. So inspiration is the heart of everything in our lives, and motivation is really an antique way of trying to achieve the same thing. Lance, is there a leader now, whether it be a, a, a political leader or a corporate leader that inspires you? Yeah, I would say Howard Schultz, who is the CEO of Starbucks, is an inspiring yeah. leader. Yes. You know, and it's it's about doing the right thing for other people. You know, there are lovely yes. stories about him. For example, if you know in a Starbucks store, there are hundreds of mugs uh, for sale. And, of course, tens of thousands of them across all the stores of Starbucks. One day, Howard Schultz said, can't we make mugs in America? I mean, why do we have to buy mugs from China? And so he bought a, a, a factory that had been closed down in Ohio. He repurposed it hired 300 people, and Starbucks mugs are made in America now. That's an inspiring leader. Yes, I agree. I've always, I've always uh, thought he was inspiring. And I can't think of too many that, others that I, <laughs> that I feel that way about, unfortunately. Well, yeah, you, you know, it depends. I think I know a lot of inspiring leaders. And, I, of course, in my work, people who want to be inspiring are the people that call me. 
So they're already on the journey. They just want to get better, and I, that's the way I help them. But, I, you know, I don't think there's a lot that I could do for the psychopathic pathological leader who, who right. rules with fear. They simply right. are on a different playbook. Would, would, would you think Oprah is inspiring? Yes, of course. And everybody yeah. is hoping she's going to run for president, right? <laughs> yes. That's the new buzz around. I, I don't. Right. I, I hope that she's smart enough not, not to want to do that. <laughs> oh, well, it depends, doesn't it? But we need somebody. Yes. Uh, yeah, we need somebody strong in both parties who, who can be inspiring. And I think we've had inspiring. I think Kennedy was inspiring. I think Reagan was inspiring. Yeah. And well, you know, now in in this world that we live in with, with with social media and all of this craziness that goes on, it's it's so hard because that they they unlock every little secret that you ever had and, you know, they they want to knock you off your, you know, your pedestal. Uh back in the day uh with Kennedy, you know, we didn't have that. And so it no, was, maybe it was easier to be inspiring then. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. But then the other side of that coin is, and I always tell people that work with me, for instance, never write anything in an email that you wouldn't want in the New York Times. Yes, Just absolutely. live by that rule. And what have you got? And that's a good example, by the way, of how to remove fear. Don't do stuff that you think is going to get you into trouble in the future. Think it through. And make sure that you will be safe, even if people intercepted everything you've said or done, and that you have nothing to hide. Yes, no. I mean, we create some of the most crazy things uh, that, you know, that, that inspire us to be, not inspire us, but get us fearful, because we don't, we don't take care of business. And the, and the business is ourselves and our relationships. And, and, and as you said, that love that love piece, and, and that's so important. I know in my own relationship lately, I, you know, I've taken the focus off of me and I put it on my husband. And uh, and so I, I have become a lot less volatile, and it's really made the relationship so much sweeter. Thinking Perfect. about how just, he feels, not, yes, not, not how I feel. Right. You've described the recipe, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, and it and as you said, it's it's simple, um, not always easy, but it is. Life is simple. We make it so yes. complicated. Exactly. Well, and Lance, how long were you and Trisha married? Thirty years. Thirty years. What would you say to somebody like me who's looking for, you know, they're divorced, they're thinking about looking for someone? I haven't thought about looking for someone for a long time, and. And it's funny because Linda will tell you on shows they've been like professional matchmakers. They're like, oh, well, you have to clean out your closet or, you know, give up your sink and make room for the man in your life and make a manifestation chart of what you want. And I just kind of sit there like, uh, you know, yeah, I know. Well, um, my book, A Love Story, describes the whole journey because my wife, Trish, uh, sat in a hotel one day with four of her friends. She was recently divorced, and they were trying to get her to date. And she said, no way. And she wrote a big, long list. They, they persuaded her to write a list of the perfect man. So she wrote this big, long list. And it was impossible. I mean, there was no human being alive that uh, could have met that list. But one of the, the criteria was that this man had to be a member of a ski club, um, which was a family-only ski club. So there were no single members, basically. Well, I had joined about three weeks earlier. And three weeks after she wrote that list. She fell over on the ski club uh, and I picked her up, literally, and 
we never look back. So people ask me, where do I find the right person in my life? I think the answer is think about not the kind of list that we keep putting together, but instead think about what are your interests in life? Like I'm a skier. I ski 100 days a year. I live in the mountains uh, and I'm a passionate skier. So likely anybody that I'd be looking for would be a skier. Therefore, I need to go to places where skiers are because that's the interests where we're going to intersect. I couldn't imagine living with someone who couldn't ski or didn't like the mountains. Right. I was thinking about when you said that, it's like if somebody didn't like the water, like I have my own pool, I spend every vacation on the water. Like if you didn't like the water or you didn't swim, I don't care how great you were on the other list. What am I supposed to do with you? Right. Not much. <laughs> Not much. It wouldn't Not be fun. Much. I mean, you could make it work, but it wouldn't be right. The thing is, what are your passions? You know, I'm, I'm an athlete. I, I love to mountain bike and kayak and, and ski. Therefore, the person I would be looking for would be in those spaces. They wouldn't be, for instance, in a bar. No, no. <laughs> that makes right. perfect well, sense. It does make perfect sense because then you're like-minded and you, you can do things like life is about enjoying each other. Like my father and mother were married uh, over 60 years and they enjoyed the lake. They enjoyed going for boat rides and, and swimming and doing all those things. And, right. you know, I think that's that's one of the glues that held them together because they had fun. Yes. And it, it's the thing is, that's the foundation. You can now build on all the other things that you can grow together with. But clearly a person who, in my case, you know, an athlete is a person who's physically fit. And that's important to me, too. So put all those things together. You've got a very strong basis for building deeper things, of course, about love of family and the world and the environment and so on. So lots of those things that you share together, plus each other. So on Trisha's list, how many did you hit? Oh, <laughs> um, uh, quite a few of them. Yeah, probably not all of them, but quite a few. I mean, you know, she wanted a great dancer. Well, I'm not a great dancer, but we dance pretty well together. I love that. Well, I'm going to dedicate today's show to Trisha and Gloria, and may you have enjoyed today's show. I want to thank our caller from New Mexico for calling in with such a great question, and I want to thank my lovely co-host, Linda Franklin. We have so much fun together. It's it's not even like it's work. It's just fun to get on the air with you. Well, I, I feel exactly the same way, and hopefully, as I said, we're, we're planting some seeds that are going to help a lot of people because that's what this show is all about, and we have wonderful guests that help us with that. We do. We do. We want to thank you, Lance Secretan. Last bit of advice. You got 20 seconds. Well, no, uh, let me just say I hope uh, you'll invite me back. I've been, it's been fun to be with you. I've enjoyed it a lot, and I hope we've made a little difference in some people's lives. I think so. I know, Lance, you made a difference in mine. And Linda, as always, you make a difference every time we're together. Lance Secretan, thank you so much for being our guest today. Check out his book if you like what you heard to say. He's got 15 of them. I'm sure you can find something you like. We'll be back again next week with more Powered Up Talk Radio. We're so glad you joined us for Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Sandra Beck, Los Angeles-based single mother and technology company owner, knows what it's like to be fit, funny, and fantastic in your 40s. Linda Franklin, a New Yorker with a successful marriage and 